Welcome back to the Don't Split Up Horror Podcast. J.R. Foresteros here, and this is the last of the three interviews that I have recorded so far that are meant to fill the gap uh, as we are bringing the podcast back. So let me tell you a little bit about this movie that we are doing the interview for today. Uh, this one actually came out a while ago. It is called the uh, it is called Death to Metal, and it is uh, written and directed by Tim Connery, who is the guy that I'm interviewing. This, I'm just going to read the uh, premise and you'll see why I'm so excited about it. After a freak accident, a disturbed priest is transformed into a mutated killing machine on a mission to wipe out the godless fans of heavy metal music. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is a film that is about death metal. It is a film that is about a priest and it is a film that is about the combination of those two things. And that's actually what I ended up getting to talk to Tim about. Uh, a lot of you listeners probably know I used to be in a metal band. I was a screamer in a metal band back when I was in college. And I went to a Christian college, and I'm a pastor in my day job and a lot, all that kind of stuff. So this was a really fun movie for me to watch. And it's interesting when you see kind of some of the interesting overlaps between religion as a communal practice and metal as a communal practice. And then, of course, the ways that both religion and metal can be exclusive and uh, isolating to people that, you know, don't fit the mold. So I thought there was a, a really a ton to talk about in this film. I thought it was really great how Tim created a film with a lot of nuance. And I mean, it's just hard to beat a good bloody B movie with a lot of gore. So I had a blast with Death to Metal. I think if you like this podcast, you'll have a blast with it as well. And I really think you'll enjoy my conversation with Tim. So without any further ado, let's get over to our interview with Tim Connor, director and writer of Death of Metal. Welcome, director Tim Connery to the show. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, JR, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm uh, uh, been doing a lot of uh, press for for Death to Metal, and uh, yeah, I, I love talking about the movie, and I love hearing people's reactions. So I'm I'm stoked. I'm it's we're a week out, so this is great. Well, and and the movie was originally finished in 2019. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Um, we had a world premiere at uh, uh, Spooky Spooky Empire. They they have a a film festival component of the that big horror con they do in in Florida. Uh, so we had our world premiere down in Tampa in October of 2019, and then we had our international premiere at the Soho uh, International Horror uh, Festival that Mitch does uh, over there in London, and had a great time in London. And so we we got to travel some before before the pandemic kind of railroaded everything, you know. Yeah. So what, what is it? I, I, th you're in such a unique place where you, you have the movie premiere a few places and then the whole world shuts down. And so now you're getting the wide release, like what, almost two years later. So what's that been like for you, especially as the writer director of this movie? Yeah, it's, it's taken, uh, you know, a lot of, it's been a test of, of patience, right? Um, you know, for me, 
it, believe it or not, it, it feels like at least I had a similar experience with my, my first feature film that, you know, these, these things just they take a long time to make and they take even longer to release. Um, and I, I get why, because there's a lot of other indie, uh, you know, films kind of sitting in the pipeline waiting for their, their, their chance to, to shine, you know, on VOD or, you know, physical release or, or whatever. So you just got to be patient. You got to kind of keep, uh, you know, everyone that has been a part of the film or has been watching the film closely, you got to keep them at bay and, and just, you know, trust it's coming out, it's coming out, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly the pandemic probably added some months maybe even a year to, to the whole process. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a good time to, you know, fine tune some things, you know, in the film. So like the, we, we did add some, some things and, and uh, fix some things after our, our world premiere and international premiere. So uh, it's also given me a lot of, a lot of time to, to start working on the next project. So. Oh, fantastic. Well, let's start talking a little bit about, about the film itself. Uh, you know, I, I was, so impressed by the uh the layers and the nuance in this film which is not always the case with you know low budget indie horror kind of stuff a lot of times the a lot of times the story is you know sort of like just enough to get to the splatters and in this uh it wasn't like you had all of these like giant monologues or something like that but i feel like you there was really a lot more nuance to pretty much every character and every perspective in the show uh, or in the film. Uh, how, how intentional was that for you? Yeah, you know, this, my, my first uh, feature was like a real intimate, uh, low budget uh, drama with a, with a sci-fi twist and compared to Death to Metal, it was, you know, as serious as a heart attack. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, some of the first the first stuff I did, whether it's my short films or my first feature was was very more, you know, drama laden. And, you know, the first the first draft of of Death to Metal had a lot less humor to it and was was more about, you know, the, the, the bones of that first draft had everything to do with, you know, the uh, uh, the similarities between Milton getting kicked out of uh, his, his priesthood uh, with you know, mixed with Zane getting kicked out of the band and, and, you know, these, these two worlds kind of shunning these, these uh, very different, but similar in a lot of ways, people. And, uh, you know, the extremes to, to both sides, whether it's the, the religious, you know, you have a very practical, empathetic, compassionate person in, in Father Brennan, uh, you know, uh, uh, Milton, who becomes the, the, the mutated priest, uh, his, uh, kind of mentor if you will and you know same way in the in the in the metal world you have you know people that are really down to earth and and uh, you know uh humanistic people like zane who are just trying to get by and and you know they're sweet people and, and you know and then you have your other metalheads that are not so much like the, the the guys in the in the beginning that that bully uh milton so the the drama for me of the characters was always uh you know important that's what makes any you know, comedy or horror work is if you if you have a reason to root for someone or root against somebody, you know, so so it was super important to me, the the comedy elements really came into play when I brought on my co writer, Kevin Copas. And, you know, I, I just, I knew I wanted to inject some more humor into it. And, and he he always had a knack for that, that kind of stuff. So he really helped me flesh out some of the more uh, funny, irreverent moments. But, you know, I love 
there's I think one of my favorite scenes directing uh, when it comes to just you know talking about a scene was the scene in in the record store where you know Zane's really down in his luck and Mariah's trying to cheer him up and it was all a single shot and there's a lot of revelations in that scene there there's small revelations but big revelations for these characters you know in their world and the story that we're telling and uh, it's you know an intimate moment in a in a very sacred place which is you know the the, the record store uh, for for these people so uh, you, you know it's it's the, that stuff's got to work right you got to be able to root for for these people on screen i think so often in uh, in a lot of horror you know, it's the, the small quiet moments get skipped over so fast because it's just like, let's get back to the monster. Let's get back to the splatter. And I, it was, it was so nice that not only did you take your time with scenes like that, but they worked really well. You know, they were, they were compelling. They were interesting. You really cared about these characters. Um, it was great. Uh, so, so I have to imagine that when you're writing a film like this, where music is going to be such a character in the film, right? Like uh, you have the whole scene where I think it was actually also in the record store where Zane is giving her a breakdown of the different bands and the different genres of metal and you're cutting to the bands. Uh, like, how, I guess, what is your, are, are, I, I, I made a bunch of assumptions about you from watching your film, I apologize. <laughs> I assume you're a giant metal head. Like you, this film reads very much like an insider talking about metal. So uh, like, did you did you have a sense of what you wanted the songs to sound like? Did you write the music or how, how did the music come to be from script to screen yeah so to t touch on a couple things so the the scene with zane uh you know giving mariah the breakdown you know mariah's a, was a was a fun character uh and is maybe you know part of the reason why I, I i definitely think if you're not even into metal or you don't understand the world if you're a complete outsider you you will still find things to like in death to metal because Mariah is that character right through and through she has no idea you know uh what any of this stuff means or what they're saying or why anyone would like this but she's there to to, to help her her friend right so that's that's you know why she, she was written the way she was to kind of be an audience character for that segment of the audience as far as the music yeah I'm a huge metalhead um you know I have my swings where I I dip into other genres for a while but I grew up uh, in high school, I was in a in a in a, a death metal band, a melodic death metal band, very uh, reminiscent of like Black Dahlia Murder, um, because that they were just popping off with their first couple records back in the early 2000s, and and me and my bandmates were just really really into those guys. So we did that, and then I was in a, a different band in college uh, that we released a couple albums and did some kind of mini mini tours in in the Midwest. So certainly. You know, as as uh, 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 you know, I wrote this when I was a fairly young young buck still, and I, maybe I, I still am. I don't know. I don't feel like it at at almost thirty five. But uh, you know, they tell you to uh, you know write from what you know, and and you know, spending a lot of time in those those venues, the you know, where you're playing for like you know twenty thirty people yep. at, at best. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's a great that's turnout. A, yeah, it's a great turnout. Yeah. <laughs> On like, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday night, you meet so many different characters and, you know, sometimes I think I feel like it's it's, uh, you know, with the the world's just getting smaller and and I, I don't think their metals as taboo as it, it once was. But, you know, for a while, that community was kind of, you know, colored a certain way. Right. You know, that that 
they're outcasts and and kind of mean or you know or mean spirited or whatever but some of the nicest guys you'll ever met some of the smartest people you ever meet um and just the 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 passion they have uh for the community and and for the music is just unparalleled um so i i certainly you know drew from you know those 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 nights on tour and and those nights, you know, playing uh, a, lo- a local venue, uh, the Bus to Lift, we used to do uh, all ages metal shows at this at this Irish bar. It was in the basement of this Irish bar, the Bus to Lift, here in my hometown, Dubuque, Iowa. Like every Sunday, throughout throughout high school, and uh, those shows were just like, you know, such a such an impact on on my life, just beyond the passion for music. Just learning a lot about myself, learning how to perform since I was I was the vocalist, like just having the confidence to get on stage, even if it is in front of, you know, mostly your, your friends and uh, peers and to get up there and, and give it your all, uh, you know, for, for a half hour, 45 minutes set. It, it, it was just, it's, you know, something I look back on fondly and, and uh, uh, yeah, so you, you guessed right. I am indeed a, a pretty seasoned metalhead, but I, I, I also interestingly enough, I was on a different uh thing yesterday i was talking to a gal from any cool news and i was she was asking me a bunch about music and i was like it felt like i was like in a hip-hop phase throughout the entire uh filming of this movie and i don't know if it was just a symptom of me like getting overdosed on metal from <laughs> from you know post-production and and all that stuff but yeah it was i was like yeah i was only listening to like hip-hop i felt like but uh no the I didn't write any of the music explicitly. One of my bands shows up like in the in the background music uh, in some of the scenes uh, at the at the smokestack venue. But uh, so there's two local local to my area bands, Mutilated by Zombies and, and Telekinetic Yeti, that are real bands. Uh, if you go on iTunes, you'll find their music. Telekinetic Yeti, the the stoner doom metal band in the film, the two piece. They've uh, they've since like really kind of like taken off like they've gone on some major tours and you know i love seeing those guys succeed and, and mutilated's doing their thing and they put out a really solid full-length album a couple of years ago so they you know they made a cameos in the film and they contributed their music to the film and and did some great stuff we had some bigger name acts that just contributed music and didn't actually uh, you know star in the film uh a legion they're a huge progressive uh, death metal band they're assigned to uh, metal blade they are responsible for the, the the band members of a legion are responsible for the the Graham incinerator song in the film the uh, the end of the elderly i did help out with the lyrics with that but for the most part that's like 98 percent all them and and the the brilliance of of i basically was like what would it cost to get you guys to make like an old school like florida death metal style like one-off song and they shot me a number and i was like can i swear or no no can i swear on here or oh yeah that's fine yeah yeah, okay i was like holy shit that's really affordable like let's definitely do that please yeah we're doing it it's making it happen (laughs) yeah so they were great to work with uh and metal blade was great to to collaborate with on on that we made that song you know talk about years later i think they recorded that in the fall of of 2017 uh wow. after we shot this in the summer of 2017 so that's just been you know i i, I talked to greg, yeah yeah i talked to greg uh 
like a couple times a year and he's always like what are you what are they doing are you, what are you guys doing with that track that track was so killer and funny and i was like it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming yes yeah, <laughs> oh man so good so so let's talk about the the other half of the film which is the sort of the the window you have into religion uh mm. so again that you know the uh this is about a a priest who because of some childhood trauma uh becomes sort of the worst incarnation of religious people, right? He's, he's judgmental, he's condemning, uh, he's constantly looking for people to uh, tell that they're doing things the wrong way. And uh, again, I was, I was just so pleasantly surprised as the film goes on that that's, that's rebuked almost right away, you know, by this older, wiser, gentler uh, priest figure. And, and then the, you know, the monster becomes really this distortion of well, I'm going to say the way I read it and you can correct me if if, if I'm wrong uh, a, a distortion of of what I think the film would judge to be you know authentically something you know religious uh, you have at the end where Zane says you know I haven't been to church in a long time and she says this is the first uh, Mariah says this is the first time I've ever been in church or something like that yeah and you have this real sense of like yeah that that like what 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 we were almost seeing here was like two institutions that in some ways had become the worst version of themselves being, being rescued from that by having to face down this monster. Uh, so yeah, I love, I don't know how much you want to talk about like the, your, your take on religion in this, but particularly because metal is so often known as being something that's like anti-Christian or anti-church. Um, I was, I was again, just like pleasantly surprised by the nuance that was in this film as well. No, that you, very very kind words man uh no i mean you know i have i have a, a, a slight background um i went to to a catholic high school um you know went to like ccd growing up and all that stuff my, my parents weren't like overtly religious people they were you know the most nurturing and they let me watch like my, my dad let me watch predator and total recall and all these <laughs> all these Arnold Schwarzenegger films at like seven, you know, like, so like they weren't, they didn't shield me from the world or anything like that. Uh, but I did go to, you know, uh, church, you know, fairly regularly and all, and all that, all that good stuff. And, you know, especially in high school, you know, what I saw in, in my high school were, uh, the, the, the two sides of it. Right. Um, just just like anything in life it's it's very great there's there's people that were that were using religion as a very good tool um to teach to bring out the best in 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 you and then there was people that were, were using religion as a scapegoat to for these asinine rules and and to breed fear and and you know so absolutely it was important to me you know the the town i shot this this film in is, is there's you know, like a church on, on every other block. Um, there's a bar on every block, <laughs> but there's a church on every other block. Um, and uh, there was a lot of people concerned because I'm, I'm involved in a lot of commercial and corporate stuff as, as far as like the business side, you know, the, my day, day to day job with, with video production and stuff that were concerned. They're like, are you worried that like you're making like an anti-religious movie? And I'm like, it's not anti-religious. Like there's literally like a priest in the film that embodies like everything that is good about about uh, religion. Like, sure, the antagonist is 
a mutated monster priest, you know, uh, but like, yeah, like everything you said, it's, it's kind of this manifestation of all the, the, uh, you know, the bad, the, the bad things culminated, the, the, the fear, the, 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 the rules that don't make any sense, uh, just come to fruition in this, in this monster. Right. Um, and you know, that opening scene as, as ridiculous as it is, right. Him getting bullied and, and the, the childhood trauma that that you're talking about it's it's you know both of those worlds you know the the worst of of uh a metal bully you know even though it's kind of like you know it's in black and white so we're assuming that maybe it's milton's recollection of it was this actually how we don't know but like the worst of of these metal bullies just drink a beer and and you know desecrating a sacred uh, you know object for him and stuff like that so it's it's um you know, really at the end of the day, I think it's, it's not making a huge statement on religion or, or metal per se. It's just like, it's, it's all, these are people, right? These are human beings caught up in, in their own forms of, of, you know, religion. One just happens to be, you know, music as a religion where the venue is their church and, and the other one happens to be, you know, religion, religion, and, you know, the church is, is their sacred ground. So, no, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. And it's, you know, uh, it was very important to me and Kevin, we were writing, writing this, that, that, because neither of us have a, a strong opinion either way on, on, on religion. We have our experiences with it, but, you know, most of my experiences that are, that are, that are bad or good fall on the backs of human beings, right? Um, and that's what it's all about, right? You know, I, so my metal band days were like 2000, 2001. So I was, as well, I was in college, I was in Southwestern Missouri. So we were playing like Springfield a lot, played Tulsa a few times, like that kind of crowd. And it was right when like the Christian subculture music scene was kind of dissolving. And you had bands like Norma Jean and Zayo and Under Oath that like basically just quit playing Christian festivals at all and just were you know, they were playing shows with every other band. And yeah. uh, it was, you know, as LA dying was like the biggest metal band. And there was, you know, before he hired a hitman to try to kill his wife and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it, it was so interesting to be like a Christian kid and a metal kid, like who for, you know, for, for me, for us, for like our band, like we didn't see any um, tension between the two, you know? Yeah. Um, but of course there were lots of Christians who were like, are oh, you listening to that devil music? And it's going to, you know, and then you had a lot of, a lot of metal kids who were like, oh, this is devil music, <laughs> you know? And it, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's maybe just why it resonated so strongly because, you know, at the end when Zane gives his, well, <laughs> I love that he like started to give his speech and then he gets cut off. <laughs> you, you have to, you got to cut it <laughs> off. Awesome. Everyone <laughs> knows the minute he opens his mouth, exactly what's going to come out. So it's like no let let mariah bust in there and, and yeah yeah steal it <laughs> but uh did, have you by chance seen a documentary from penny lane called hail satan yeah yeah about uh the uh um the satanic yeah, about, temple like tst yeah satanic temple yeah those guys that are kind of like circumventing a bunch yes. of uh <laughs> very cons conservative backwards laws use utilizing yes. yeah religious doctrine yeah no it's great what they're doing is fantastic yep well and i was thinking of i was that was in the back of my head too because i love that documentary and uh i was thinking about that as well in terms of 
you know, Zane saying metal, metal's like not really about all the devil stuff. It's really more about a place for outsiders to belong, which I think in that documentary, that's one of the things when they interview so many of the practitioners, that's what it said over and over and over again was like, you know, I was too weird for my church or this community I live in doesn't have a space for me or whatever. And like TST sort of under the banner of the devil was like a, a place for weirdos which is so much my experience of metal shows, you know, like you, you even use the the term a few times. You're like, yeah, you just never know what kind of characters are going to be at the show, but like, yeah, it's going to be cool. Cause like, we're all here to have a good time, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I really, I really, I really resonated with that a lot. And I just, I, it was just, it was such a fun movie. And then we haven't even talked about uh, it's, it's like a little bit gory. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. It's not crazy. It wasn't like, it wasn't the priority mm. <laughs> for us to like, so we had a very modest budget, right? And I'm not going to complain about the budget we had because to be able to, to, to talk to you, to talk to a bunch of strangers these past couple of weeks, like about this on this press deal uh, is a gift, right? Uh, you know, so, so we had a modest budget, but we still got it done, but we had to, you know, choose how we were going to spend that budget. Right. And, and, you know, we didn't decide to stick half of our budget in the gore. We decided to stick more like, you know, 10% of the budget in the gore and then put those other places like in our in our leads, um, in some of the music stuff, on uh, some of the locations we got. So, yeah, you know, it's 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 gory, but I didn't want to like, I don't know, like just gross people out or, or just like it's a just be all about that. Right. Because there's plenty of films out there that that do gore a million times better you know you're seeing the whole head come off and it looks ridiculous and it's just you know like to me it's i still wanted the the, the story to be front and center uh well one last question do you think zane is going to grow his hair back out so, <laughs> so that, that's a funny story because so that that's real his real hair right <laughs> and we we purposely scheduled that scene uh, at the end of 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 the shoot, because like early on in, in rehearsals, I was like, I pulled him aside after one of the rehearsals, and I was like, uh, his name is Alex Stein, the actor, and I was like, so you you read the full script, right? And he's like, oh yeah, super nice guy, just like he is on screen. Um, and I was like, so like, what do you like? How are you thinking we should approach like the hair thing? Because it's you know, it's not something I wanted to like get rid of the script there's actually a whole deleted scene where his dad's giving him a hard time about cutting his hair oh and nice okay. offering him a hundred dollars to cut his hair we ended up having to cut it for pacing and stuff but it still kind of acts as like this like his hair getting cut is like this rite of passage which is very autobiographical i had super long hair going through high school and my dad always gave me a hard time about it but he would never tell me he would never force me to go get a cut right he would, he would right. offer me money or try to bribe me but like you know um, it was just kind of this game that we played with e with each other. The more he asked me, the more I wanted to keep growing it. And eventually I did cut it like right before I went off to, to film school. Um, and I don't know, it was just this very symbolic moment to kind of like let, like not like let go of that scene or anything like that. Cause I'm very still, you know, much in, in the thick of it, but just like, I don't know, it was just like a rite of passage to like grow it out and then, you know, uh, lose it and I thought it was it was funny and poetic that it's you know Milton is the one that rips it off but anywho 
so we're talking about this at rehearsal. I'm like, I'm like, so, you know, cause you know what I want to ask him, right? Right. Are you of course. Cool with us cutting your hair off, like on the final day of, of the shoot. And I'm about to, ask, I'm just completely sidestepping it, you know, cause I'm, um, you know, and he's like, Oh, I thought we just cut it off. Right. Like that's, I assume that's like what we do. Right. Like, I don't know how else we would do it. And I'm like, yeah. Whew. Are you cool with that? Like he's like, of course, yeah, I'm all in, man. Like whatever you need. And I was like, all right. Uh, so yeah, we were, um, it, we had a bad rainstorm that night. We were shooting an overnight. It was right outside of the the church location that we had, and I remember us being like out there, like kind of like dodging the intermittent rain, and I was just sitting there like slowly cutting it off. And I, I, he was just so <laughs> calm and collected. And I was like, what a weird thing to be going on. <laughs> cutting this kid's hair like that he grew for like three years like yeah. and half you know i'm like this is movies like this is it like no this wig you know no wig for him it's, you know it's demi moore and gi jane and then alex Stein and death to metal that's folks yeah. that's what it's it's the full <laughs> if if we had had if we had had a, a behind the scenes uh, crew for this there, there that would be a movie in itself man just a lot of, a lot of fun uh, a lot a lot of good stories from from the production Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for taking some time to talk about the film. Uh, do you have any place you like to direct folks if they like to follow what you're doing, Twitter or Instagram or any of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty easy to uh, find, JR. Uh, uh, my Twitter is is just at Tim Tim Connery. I'm not super active on, on there. Uh, my Instagram is also just Tim. I own like the Tim Connery brand. That's awesome. There's like, there's like Love some it. There's like some swimmer that's really well known also named Tim Connery, but like that's it. It's just me and him battling for the front page of Google. <laughs> so uh, I'm not the swimmer. I'm the, the other guy. <laughs> so if you just Google me, you can find all my social media. And um, I, I love talking with people and stuff. So so if you, you add me on Instagram, I'll, I'll probably add you back. Same with Twitter, same with Facebook and all, all that good stuff. Um, so so, yeah. Awesome. Well, the film is Death to Metal. It is just a terrific good time and it is available to rent. Uh, should be, by the time you're listening to this, it should be anywhere. You can get it on VOD. Uh, I highly recommend it. If you want me to host a watch party, you won't have to twist my arm. Tim, thanks again for joining us on the show. Uh, good luck on your next project. Can't wait to see what's next for you. Thanks, JR. It's it's uh, a fourth of the way done. So it's it, I'm, I'm working on it. So 